The following show is about making art as a couple, persevering, and so much more. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you might remember late last summer when I interviewed Alex Honnold. If you haven't heard of Alex, he's one of the best free solo climbers ever. In June of 2017, he climbed about 3,000 feet in just under four hours to the top of El Capitan in Yosemite, and he free soloed it, meaning he did it without any ropes. Here's a little bit of our conversation from last year, and it's important because next we're talking to the people who filmed Alex's amazing accomplishment, which has been nominated for a huge award. I think about you free soloing El Capitan. It's an idea I think I heard you say you had since 2009. It's a long time to stick with a goal. But it wasn't like a goal. It was more like simmering back burner goal. It was only like a okay. goal for the last year or two. It's still a year, a two year But no, no, goal. I mean, it, but in an eight year dream, it's still a big thing, right? Yeah. For sure. How did you stay but, focused? Like, what are some of the things you did to stay focused? Well, I, I mean, I wasn't focused on El Cap. It was always like for the first six years or so, it was more, you know, like, oh, I'll do that next year. And then I'd show up in, El, in, in Yosemite and look at the wall and be like, hell no, I'm not doing that this year. Like, it's way too scary. And so, so you actually you know, had that, that, okay, yeah, of course. I mean, otherwise good. I would have done it in 2009. And I mean, had I tried in 2009, you know, there's a 75% chance I would have done it, but you know, I wasn't really comfortable with that 25% that I didn't, but yeah, I mean, it always looked scary because it wasn't that certain because there was a pretty good chance that I might fall off and die. And I obviously wasn't willing to take that chance. climb was a huge accomplishment and conveying it on the big screen an amazing feat. Jimmy Chin and Elizabeth Chai Vassarelli, two accomplished documentary filmmakers, turned Alex's climb into a powerful, terrifying, and beautiful documentary called Free Solo, which was recently nominated for Best Documentary at the 2019 Academy Awards. Here's just a quick taste of the film before we hear from Chai and Jimmy. In this clip, you'll hear Alex, his girlfriend, Sonny, one of the best all-around climbers in the world, Tommy Caldwell, Jimmy Chin himself, and Alex's mom. Here's the trailer. Does it feel different to be up there without a rope? It's obviously like much higher consequence. People who know a little bit about climbing, they're like, oh, he's totally safe. And then people who really know exactly what he's doing are freaked out. I've thought about El Cap like for years, and every year I'm like, that's really scary. I'll never be content unless I at least put in the effort. El Cap is the most impressive wall on Earth. It's 3,200 feet of sheer granite. It's the center of the rock climbing universe. Obviously, I get interview questions about it all the time. Oh, would you like to do that? And you're like, yes, for sure. So you're a girlfriend now, I heard. It's awesome. <laughs> Pretty much makes life better in every way. It's really hard for me to grasp why he wants this. But if he doesn't do this stuff, he'd regret it. Everybody who has made free soloing a big part of their life is dead now. I haven't been injured in like seven years. I suddenly start getting injured all the time. What if something happens? Ah! What if I don't see him again? I could just walk away, but it's like, I don't want to. I've always been conflicted about shooting a film about free soloing just because it's so dangerous. It's hard to not imagine your friend falling through the frame to his death. No mistakes tomorrow. Starting to get kind of psyched. If you're pushing the edge, eventually you find the edge. I can't believe you guys are actually gonna watch. Hey Jimmy, do you copy? Just started climbing. I'm Shelby Stanger, and this is Wild Ideas Worth Living. This movie took my breath away. As an adventurer, creator, and athlete, I was incredibly inspired by seeing someone at the top of their game pursuing one of the wildest ideas out there, and 
I had such a great time talking with Alex that I wanted to talk to the creators of the film, Jimmy Chin and Chai Vassarelli, who happened to be married to each other. Besides the fact that I really admired their work, I was curious what it would be like to make something of that scale with your loved one. Making this film a film about risk, about love, and accomplishing something so great had to be incredibly difficult. And doing it with your significant other had to come with its own set of challenges. I was lucky to catch Jimmy and Chai when they were in town in Los Angeles for a big award show. We started our conversation from the beginning of their relationship. I'm just curious, you know, this this podcast is close to Valentine's Day and uh, wondering how you two met. You're so good at telling that story. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so we were at a conference where I was giving a talk and I saw Chai outside of the venue and it was probably 10 minutes, 15 minutes beforehand. So I was just chatting her up and we were hanging out and I uh, invited her to come to the talk and she politely declined said mm, no nah, I'm not really that interested and then I I'm had done. to go on and give a talk and then but it turns out she did go see the talk and was clearly very very impressed <laughs> blown away in fact <laughs> um but what was what happened was that Jimmy was giving a talk about Meru um this you know incredible climb that he did with Conrad Anker and Renan Ozturk. And it's essentially a story about failure and then succeed, like then returning to something and succeeding. And a good, um, I was there at the conference with one of my best friends from childhood, who's a professor at Harvard on studying social justice, but she was writing a book about failure. And I was like, you got to meet this guy. He's got this amazing failure story. Um, and we, and then Jimmy kind of hung out with us all weekend and we became friends. So what attracted you to each other? Jimmy, I'm curious. Like what what about Chai? I'm sure there was lots of girls who were like, he's a photographer. I mean, when I was in my 20s, all you had to say was, you're a professional surfer, a photographer, a boat captain. <laughs> that gave you a little bit more of an in. Uh, it's probably the fact that she wasn't at all interested. It's awesome. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but no, I mean, I think actually the first thing that made me kind of perk up was her sense of humor it was very dry very cutting very smart and you know I think within the first five minutes of hanging out with her that evening that I met her she made a couple comments that had me like dying inside because they were just they were really spot on but really sharp and you know I think that gave me a sense of you know, her humor, but also her intellect and her insight into the world around her and her observation of the world and her, I guess, perspective, which I thought was really pretty incredible. So that was probably the first thing that I noticed about Chai. And then I brought a rough cut of Meru to her and, you know, I knew that she was a documentary filmmaker, a serious documentary filmmaker. And so I wanted her to take a look at the film. And over the course of kind of corresponding over the film, we kind of got to know each other. And uh, I met with her in New York. And, yeah, things went from there. What year was this? About when you guys uh, this first This was met? 2011, yeah. And it, it sounds like you guys came from somewhat similar backgrounds, or maybe it's because I heard it on Rich Roll's podcast that you both said you had a tiger parents. What does that mean? No, I, it was, it's, it, I had really never dated someone else who was Asian American. Mm. And we had similar memories and, and our, my mother is Chinese and our parents had kind of similar values. And I think we also maybe similarly rebelled against them. <laughs> Um, but also brought like learned those lessons that were important in terms of discipline and excellence and determination. But I mean, the joke is, I think Jimmy can handle my mother better than I can. You know, he's very experienced with elder Chinese women. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds funny. <laughs> and they love you, I'm sure. So I think it's really interesting. When I interviewed Alex, he talked about how his one of his parents was a professor, and I read that your parents. Hopefully I read this right. I don't know. Your parents were professors. My parents are professors. My fiancé's parents are professors. Did that shape you in any way? 
I think, of course, I think you always know. So my father is a professor. My mother worked um, in kind of the finance side of big nonprofits, including universities. And Jimmy's parents were librarians at the University of Minnesota, Mankato. And I just think you grow up. There's always this kind of joke is like you kind of know a professor's kid. I'm sure there are many other people who are who have similar traits. I grew up in this kind of wonderful environment of learning and ideas. And also people from, you know, kind of the strongest memories I have are like grad students from all over the place at our house. You know, and that's, yeah, that's very yeah. similar to mine. There's always a lot of students at the house. They would throw these kind of social gatherings and all the students would come over um, and hang out. And then I would spend a lot of time running around the university and hanging out in the library, actually. That's great. And probably just sparked this huge curiosity and desire to always learn and I don't know. I think from that, I also learned how to be resourceful. And you guys seem very resourceful. I mean, I think it also is just that it shows growing up in that environment, you understand that the world is very big out there because, you know, universities are these places where people from all over the world come. And I think that will stay with you and it will make you more curious. Chai and Jimmy are some of the most creative, thoughtful, and disciplined people I've met, and this definitely comes through in Free Solo. It probably also helped that they've worked together before. Chai mentioned Meru earlier. It's a film that Jimmy started creating about his 2008 summit of Meru Peak in the Indian Himalayas with Conrad Anker and Renan Ozturk. Chai joined the filmmaking team later. I'll let her explain. So Free Solo wasn't your first project you worked on together? Well, we directed Meru together, but I came in later. And it was it was different. It was a really, you know, we were falling in love. And it was urgent to me to help Jimmy best express this incredible and inspiring personal story about friendship and obsession. And it, also the footage was, I just remember when I first saw this, you know, collection of footage, this rough cut they'd put together. And, you know, it expressed all of the kind of the most, I don't know, powerful parts of Jim, of who Jimmy is, be it this con- amazing connection to the outside, you know, to the outdoors, to the, you know, kind of the earth, or um, this discipline, this camaraderie, this loyalty to his friends, loyalty to his family, and a guy who's clearly very, very good at what he does, um, and the imagery. So, that was like Meru was different, um, and it was a really special journey um, for both of us, I think. But Free Solo is special in a different way because we be- started it together. And I think it's a good example of kind of the marriage of our talents, no pun intended, where, you know, there's no one who can bring a more intimate, insightful kind of look or gaze to the climbing world, as well as Jimmy is the best guy to direct this stuff in the vertical space, you know, but also like in terms of he understands climbing from the inside too. Whereas for me, I I am an outsider and was interested in different types of questions and the sheer magnitude of the production, be it they were on the wall all like hours and hours and hours a day. And, you know, we're also interested in this intimate, you know, the intimate side of Alex and also, you know, his family, his background, where he's going personally. Um, We needed both of us. I'd love for you guys to dive deeper into what your exact roles were on Free Solo. And how they complemented each other. Let's see. I mean, there are so many facets to every film. And we're, you know, very interested in making a film that has a lot of emotional depth. But also, we wanted excellence in all levels of the craft. Visually, the storytelling, the narrative, the editing, everything else. So we bring a few different things to the table. And I think Chai already mentioned that she, you know, is more of an outsider she can be a lot more objective to the story and while I'm an insider I can bring a lot of the nuance and understanding of the culture and the spirit of you know Alex's endeavors but those two play off each other very well because I think you need both to tell a full story and so that's one of the ways we function you know is that we kind of balance this um internal gaze and external gaze at the story. And then, of course, there's the kind of logistical aspects of filming it and shooting it and how we wanted to do that and how do you manage, produce, direct on a big wall in 
Yosemite or in some of the other locations like Morocco, putting together the right teams and what kind of people you needed, uh, understanding what kind of space that Alex needed, uh, which was really important in this film. And since I'm a professional climber and have been for almost 20 years, and the crew that I picked were all professional climbers, we understand in a very deep way how best to kind of handle just not just the logistics, but also how to handle, you know, Alex's expectations and making sure that we preserved his experience as a climber and uh, wanted to have him have the space for him to still be true to himself and his, his, you know, motivations um, when there was a big movie production hanging over it. So that was really important. I think also it's sometimes elusive that people don't quite understand that we took this kind of feature-length nonfiction filmmaking model and brought it to the mountain, right? And it was, you know, our producers came from, like, the documentary feature side. Our editor comes from the documentary feature side. Our entire post-production crew comes from that side and then applied it to this, you know, two-year journey that Alex went on where, you know, the high-angle team had to kind of evolve. Had to, we'd all had to learn how to meet in the middle, basically. And we were all interested in different things, which I think also made it more more complex. And it was a constant negotiation where, like, it was kind of weighing the needs of each side of the film. Is there an example or scene in the film where you guys really had to work together to achieve it? I mean, first off, you did an awesome job explaining climbing and something that's pretty impossible to comprehend to everybody, climbers and non-climbers. I mean, what he did is terrifying. Is there is there anything where you guys had to negotiate to make it come out the way you wanted to? I think that a good example is this idea of preserving the experience of Alex, preserving Alex's experience, which means, which I didn't fully understand, and then Jimmy explained it to me, was that kind of protecting Alex's experience of the climb itself, like he should still enjoy and feel and live his free solo of El Cap the way he would live it if we were not there. But to a non-climber, this is, it's like, it's the idea, the way you want to say it is like, preserve Alex's experience of the climb. And, you know, to a non-climber, we're like, he's climbing, you know, (laughs) like, it was a very elusive idea. And it was something that, you know, Jimmy said was very important. So we put it in, we lived with it for a little while, then we took it out. And, you know, the film, that's just the way docs work. Like, you keep on working with the material, try to refine, refine, refine. But... I knew it was really important to Jimmy, and I knew that meant that it was really important that we include it. Like, it's something honest that I may not have a direct attachment to, but it's if he says it's important, it's important. So it was always that thing in the back of my mind. And then finally, as the film was basically almost finished, we were able to put it in in a way that really works. What's the way that you're talking about? I'm a little lost on this. Well, when you're on a production and you climb for the love of climbing Mm -hmm. and there's all these people around you trying to film it's very disruptive it's very distracting it can feel like an obligation it can feel like work and you know for Alex to free solo El Cap this was such a monumental achievement the idea that we were going to take that experience away from him and make it feel like work was you know in my mind unacceptable because I know how precious it is to get to that point and you know, I've always prided myself in filming in a way that wasn't disruptive. Like I, I pride myself in shooting in a way that where I don't have to stop people and disrupt, you know, their flow and their experience. Um, that's not always the case by any means. You know, sometimes you just have to ask and be like, hey, can you give me five minutes? I'm going to get up ahead and I'm going to get the shot. I mean, that happens. But in a perfect world, if I could execute perfectly, people wouldn't even know that I'm filming and they were just going to have their experience. That's important because I know what it feels like to do something that I love and then have like a totally unprofessional crew that's a little loose and disorganized and you're standing around and it's like, it's actually really not a very positive experience. So, you know, to execute a perfect production, I didn't want Alex to have a negative experience, especially on this solo that he's dreamed about for 10 years. So that meant you had lots of rules in place, like 
yeah. weren't allowed to Guidelines, talk about. Yeah. The guys had to ha- be dialed. You had to you yeah, refer to it as... Yeah, that's why our crew is so badass. Can I you mean, share some of those techniques? Because I, I love how you've... Some of the things you did well, to make that happen. One of the things that you really... If you're a professional climber and you're working with a film crew, I mean, when you have to wait around because they're not efficient, they're not knowledgeable, they're a liability and they're dangerous up there. They don't, you know, I mean, those are all the things where, you know, if you're a professional climber and you work with a crew, you're hyper conscious of their capacity to move around on the wall and all these different things. Um, just their skills as climbers. It becomes very apparent. You know, you can't hide that stuff. So this team was hyper efficient. They were all world-class climbers and they were all professional climbers as well. So they're all very sensitive to the needs of the subject. And we really wanted to be sensitive to the needs of Alex because the stakes were very high on all kinds of levels, personal, physical, (laughs) spiritual, I mean, in a way. But So we spent a lot of time making sure that he, you know, we were so dialed that it was always, and, and even if we weren't perfect all the time, Alex knew the kind of efforts that we were going through and we were really, really tight production on that wall in order to make this happen. Um, and I think he was very conscious of that because you can work. And Tommy said that too, you know, when Tommy was like, this is the Tommy tightest. Yeah. yeah, this is the tightest production I've ever been on. I mean, we wanted to be super dialed. But I also think that's professionalism. And I think Chai comes from a real nonfiction, serious, you know, filmmaking background. She also brought that expectation to our production in a different way. And so I think everybody raised their game to be the best that they could be on this shoot. It was really clear that they did preserve Alex's experience. In our conversation last year, in addition to saying he occasionally would say hi to Jimmy while he was on the wall, Alex also said that he had space to think about not only what was coming up next in his climb, but he also had time to think about the magnitude of his goal and all the people who helped him get there. How long did it take you to get to the top? Uh, El Cap was uh, 356, so it was like almost four hours. That's a good chunk of time Yeah. to be without a rope. <laughs> was there anything you remember you thought about, or are you just 100% focused? Oh, no, there's all kinds of stuff. I mean, on the easy terrain, I was thinking about a lot of stuff. On the hard stuff, I was, uh, yeah, on the most difficult sections of the route, I was, I was 100% focused, you know, empty, blank mind, just performing. But so much of the climbing on El Cap is, you know, five, nine hand cracks, like really technically easy climbing. Um, so I was thinking about, you know, anything. So low on the route, I'm thinking more about what's to come or what's happening. You know, you're, you're thinking about the whole experience ahead. I had a wave in the middle where I was, I don't know why, but I was kind of overcome with gratitude for all the, you know, it was kind of like a powerful experience. Yeah. And so, uh, so I was thinking about all the different partners that I'd worked with on the route. And then up high, I had a few pitches where I, you know, I was just thinking like, I am the man, like I'm crushing this. Like, this is so amazing. I feel terrific. And then just as quickly being like, relax, depressed, like you are not the man, you know, you have to finish, you know, cause it's really easy to be like, I'm killing it. I'm so good. And then your foot slips and you're like, and I'm dead. Yeah, it was awesome. Like, it, it, it was a really good experience. There were things that you did. So besides having an excellent crew and being so well-trained, you didn't ask him when he was going to climb. Yeah, there were guidelines. I mean, part of the production guidelines was that we also never wanted to put, you know, undue pressure on Alex. So that meant that, like, external pressure, the pressures of the production, uh, we shielded him from, you know, all of the pressures that you feel as a director and a producer that has to make a film and deliver something. I mean, just Alex was never, never supposed to be aware of any of the external production pressures, be it financing, be it press releases, be it the 15 people that were on the ground um, in Yosemite. So you just try to insulate him. And like I guess the real point would be also insulating him from our own feelings 
that were complicated about the risks involved and that were a constant conversation. Yeah, I mean, working on this production, especially where someone's life is on the line, your friend, it sounds incredibly stressful. So on top of that, you're working together. How did you guys navigate the stress that could have affected your relationship? It's certainly tough, like living, like it's just, it's, we, we're very ambitious in being directing partners as well as a married couple. But I believe in this case, it really empowered us because I trust Jimmy absolutely in his decision-making about what is important on that wall and how to manage our crew and how to assess the risks involved. And I believe that he trusts me in terms of what I think is important to try to capture. Otherwise, mm-hmm. where the emphasis needs to be, that even the moments that I'm like, it's actually critical that we film this on the wall. And so that kind of, it makes it a very productive conversation, not necessarily a conflict because we have that trust. Yeah, there wasn't really any issues, I don't think, around how we work as directors so much. I mean, there's some push and pull for sure, I guess, where we were kind of questioning just to understand something. Um, But, you know, I don't ever doubt what level of kind of excellence she wants to bring to the, the, the production. And you know, I definitely trust her instincts on the, the narrative and how that's going to play out and how what people are going to get and what people aren't going to get and what we need in terms of like the story or in terms of something around climbing yeah. where I'm like, well, people will understand that, right? And she'll be like, no. no. And I'll be like, okay. Like what was an well, example how- where you had to come in and explain climbing a little bit better? Well, it's, it's actually in Meru, what like people sometimes ask us, what did we le- learn in Meru and bring to Free Solo? We learned in Meru that actually you don't have to explain very much. But that also means that you lose some very precise concepts. So you don't have to explain very much because it's kind of not that important to the story. Like if it reveals something about your character or pushes the action forward, great. But the details of how to climb... We were like, it's really important that you understand the three hardest parts, that you understand what's kind of what differentiates them. But, you know, particular moves, there's only one move that we really had to express and like explain. Yeah. And you got to go see the movie to talk about that move because that's, yeah. I'll give it away right now. But it's also, you. we learned that, you know, you could allude to things and people would get it. And I had a lot of hangups on Meru because I would be like, oh, but they have to understand that this is why and this is, and normally it didn't matter because people understood it on kind of a visceral level. Mm-hmm. But then in some moments it's, it's very helpful, like in, in the Boulder problem, explaining that move alone kind of expresses so many things across the entire climb, you know, so you just have to find these moments where and choose your moments where you really kind of dive in. Here's another clip from the movie about the infamous boulder problem. But the boulder problem has a 10-foot section that's incredibly difficult. It's a very intricate sequence. You've got your right hand on a crimp, left hand on a side pull, and then you put your right foot onto this dimple thing. Right hand goes up to a small downpulling crimp. Left foot goes into a little dish. And then you drive up off the left foot into the thumb press. That's the worst hold on the entire route. So you get maybe half your thumb on the hold. Then you roll your two fingers over the thumb. Switch your feet. Left foot stems out to this really bad sloping black foothold. Switch your thumbs. And then reach out left to a big sloping bread loaf type hold that feels kind of grainy. From there, either karate kick or double dino to an edge on the opposite wall. In some ways, it makes more sense to do the big two-handed jump because you're jumping to a good edge, so there's actually something to catch. But the idea of jumping without a rope seems completely outrageous. If you miss it, that's that. I learned so much about climbing through that movie. I mean, I've only gone to the gym a couple times and climbed outside. But I I think that's what was so great about your movie. You guys did such a good job. You also inserted some scenes that made it really funny. 
whose decision was it to keep the guy in in the uniform in the mountain? Well, that wasn't a decision. Like that, there was absolutely clear. It <laughs> always was... had to stay in. There was really no question. It doesn't get any better. Um, where Alex, who is a unicorn, is attempting the unicorn endeavor, and suddenly there's a lavender unicorn on the mountain with him. I'm going to interrupt just so you know what we're talking about when we're talking about this unicorn. So Alex is starting his climb up El Cap, and there's a guy sleeping on a portal ledge, and he wakes him up, and he's dressed literally in a unicorn suit. It was one of the most magical moments in the place where unicorns should come from, which is Yosemite Valley, like the most beautiful place on Earth. Yeah, um, I joke and call Yosemite the unicorn mating grounds. Yeah, it, it's <laughs> so just, the fact that there was a unicorn on the climb, like right in the middle of the climb, was amazing. I mean, we should have probably titled the film The Unicorn, <laughs> but that wouldn't have flied, really. But so one, in terms of the boulder problem, we were very careful where we put it, like where we put these explanations in the film. So by the time you get to the boulder problem, a person who doesn't understand climbing can be involved. Mm. But another example is the word pitch. Like, what is a pitch? <laughs> it's very clear to climbers what a pitch is. Non-climbers have, can guess. You know, it's like a pitch, but they think of pitch like the slope. So we never explain it. It's fine. People talk about it. You get it. I you learned get what it, a pitch was yeah, yeah. in that film. Yeah, you get Thank it. you. You get it. Yeah. When we come back, Jimmy and Chai talk about working with each other and how having their two young kids around the crew in Yosemite affected the mood. Plus, what they do for fun when they're not filming and what project they're working on next. First, a word from our sponsor. If you're like me, then you know the same old, same old can get pretty old. REI happens to agree, which is why they think every day is a good day to change things up and opt outside. Whether that means you take a walk in the park or a longer walk down the trail, well, that's totally up to you. You could go climbing, camping, skiing, even spelunking. The options are almost endless. Whatever you want to do, REI is here to help you get outside. So visit REI.com or your local store to find out more. It wasn't just the stress of their friend attempting this massively risky feat that Jimmy and Chai had to deal with, but they had two small children of their own. Plus, Alex was also starting a relationship. You guys already have, I mean, you seem like you have pretty zen personalities. You're a little different than a lot of Hollywood producers and directors, but I could tell you have some fire in you too. I've really enjoyed the times when my partner has worked with me on a project or edited a podcast, but I, we also can't really work together because I would try to order them around and it just wouldn't work. So I'm just curious, you know, if you could dive just a little deeper into how you guys work together so well. There's a lot of respect I can tell between you two. Well, you should add like the other like the other complexity is that we have two children. That we had our first child during the making of Meru. We had our second child right at the beginning of production at Free Solo. And you know, these are small like our kids are small. And so they it was really important to both of us that they're on location with us. And that's hard. Like it's hard as a parent because you have these really long production days and you're how away from you, them. How did you do that in Yosemite? It was a priority, so we we they, the kids came and we rented a house we and house. Okay. Um, Alex's uncle Alex to both of them, and it it was kind of a family affair. And the idea that you know I'm like one of our children is around the production meeting is fine for us. You know, it just we wanted it, it had to be that way because we're married, because we're parents, because we're working together. Probably was also softened conversations if there's a child around. It certainly did. And added some yeah. element of joviality to it. Yeah, I mean, the crew, you know, all these burly yeah. climber guys and, um, you know, those are all of the people that Marina kind of grew up with and running around with. And so it's really cool for us to be with our crew and having them see the kids growing up. And it was really a big family affair and it, it felt like that. Which was made it really and, special. And also, like Tommy and Becca's children are exactly Caldwell are exactly our kids' age. That was super fun, like going trick or treating in Yosemite at the Ranger's office yeah. as a family. Like it, it was, there were some incredibly memorable moments. And I think also it partly factored into why it was almost the right time. Like we understood that we could bring our kids to Yosemite. Like this was something that we could do together. We could stay together as a family. So we, there was, there's always a little bit of that too. 
When I talked to Alex last year, he told me how he met his girlfriend, Sonny, and she sounded like a total badass. Here's a clip from our conversation last year. How did you guys meet? Basically, you know, I was on a book tour. And so, uh, well, from her perspective, she had been, I think she'd been hitting Bumble pretty hard and was kind of over it. And so she had made a decision that from now on, she was like over the online deal. She was just going to, the next cute guy she saw, she was just giving her number and just like keeping it, you know, old fashioned, keeping it real. And so then she wasn't really a climber. She climbed a teensy bit, but wasn't into it. But so one of her friends who was a climber brought her to this book event. It was like, oh, cool. There's this thing going on. Come and tag along. And so she came and was like, oh, that guy's cute. And so she like gave me her number. Like did um, she wait in line to get the book signed? Yeah, and yeah, then... yeah, yeah. So there was like, you know, 200 people in line. I signed like a million books. How do I say her name? Sonny. Sonny? Yes, it's short for Cassandra. Sonny, you're my hero. Okay, so yeah. you... Yeah, no, Sonny's a strong, strong, proud woman. So she just gives you her number but, on like what? A piece of paper, a bookmark? Yeah, just a little piece. Of, it said uh, something like, because you made me laugh, something else, you know, Sonny with a phone number. I was curious about how Sonny was going to be portrayed in the film, and I was surprised at how much I felt for what she must have been going through. I knew that Jimmy and Chai must have been incredibly thoughtful about how much of a role she was going to play in the film and how they portrayed her character. Plus, as good friends of Alex, they would have had some insights as to what he was like in a relationship. I love that there's a love story within the film. I thought Sonny's character was so interesting and fascinating, and I, I know a little bit more about what she does now outside of the film, but I thought you really described her character well, and it was complicated. And there was a guy behind the, me in the theater who was like, that girl's annoying. And I literally wanted to turn around and slap him because... I could feel what she was feeling. I mean, this her love of her life is about to put his life on the line, but it was a nine-year dream or something for Alex, and they'd only been in the relationship six months. Did you give her relationship advice, or how did you? I, I think that Sonny's character has a lot, to, like the space and you know thought that we put into how to how important Sonny was to the film has a lot to do with our with Jimmy and my relationship it's true it's just that i can deeply empathize with Sonny's situation but it was also i mean we began making this film and Alex was online dating and <laughs> which, so which funny is funny guy. like it's funny yes like how do you explain what you do for a living or can you come home to my van and then he met Sonny and that's the re- like Sonny is like from the nonfiction like gods in some way because here was this emotionally intelligent woman who was self-confident enough to say, this makes me uncomfortable, but I'm going to try to love you anyway. I do love you anyway. And I think that was a revelation for Alex. And you see him evolve emotionally in the film, which, which without her, he'd be only respond, like reacting to the crew. Mm. You know, there would be no one else that could respond to him the way yeah. you and I probably are responding to him in the movie, being like, this is, seems so form, but we're trying to get inside of it, and we respect his drive, but it makes us feel complicated. You know, there are a lot of different levels to the film, I think, because of Sonny, and she brings out a certain side of Alex's character. But, you know, it was really important to represent the female perspective in a more nuanced and complica- complex way, because that's more accurate. When I interviewed Alex, he told me that they met because she gave him her number at a book signing. I think that's badass. I completely respect a woman who does that. You know, Alex is so quirky, but incredibly focused and just relentlessly disciplined and unwavering his de- in his decisions and focus in life. And I know just the short time I was around him, I was really inspired in a way that I haven't felt except for around one other athlete, and that's being around Bethany Hamilton. I felt different after being around her. And I felt really just in that short time I was with Alex, I felt different. How did being around that energy of someone who's done the impossible affect you both? I mean, it gets back to why we wanted to make the movie to begin with, which was it was incredibly inspiring. Alex actually makes you want to be a better person in in mundane ways as well as in big ways. Like he makes you want to think about how you live your life consider this idea of a life of intention, understand that our time is ephemeral. And then he also makes you like not want to use any plastic at all Mm -hmm. and think very carefully about why you're eating meat. And, you know, do we really need to take a car? Like all these things. Like, And it's just who he is. And we hope that audiences feel it the way we do. Well, I've known Alex for quite some time. I mean, when I first met Alex, 
you know, he's he's come a very long ways. And socially, he was always a little bit awkward. And, you know, sometimes we'd, be, we'd say, you know, Alex, if you like that girl, you can't say things like that. Um, and be like, you know, we know you understand what the word tact means. You know what that means. Now like, apply it to what you're saying, <laughs> you know. No, but I think that, you know, I've been surrounded by a lot of people who are very motivated and very disciplined about what they do. Um, and Alex stands out, uh, because he applies it more than just to his sports, to his climbing. He, he applies it in all aspects of his life and how, you know, like Chai was saying, it, it, his diet and, um, what he uses and how much he chooses to run or walk somewhere in, as opposed to take a car or if he uses a reuses a plastic bottle for six months it's all nappy and dirty because you know he he believes in reuse the pants that he solos El Cap in I mean he's climbed thousands of pitches in those pairs of pants that pair of pants he also did the first you know traverse of the Patagonia mountain range I mean those pants that are shredded by the time he solos El Cap I mean he he's sponsored he can get a pair of pants a day if he wanted and he sticks with reusing the same pair of pants you know and it's hard to ignore that and not make you think about you know the things that you do on a day-to-day basis but I guess on a bigger level you know he's also disciplined enough to pull something off that you know seemed impossible you guys ever going to try to live in a van for a little bit Sure thing. We have yeah, a van. We, you we have? have a van. Yeah, we have a van. Awesome. Yeah, we, take we can the kids fit everybody. On. Yeah. Yeah, we go, I love it. We go road tripping. I mean, Jimmy's like the best camper ever, right? Like, there's very little I have to do. It's like being with the single most efficient, gracious, and um, also like aesthetically, like super organized camper ever. So it's, it's like, like Eagle Scout. It's awesome. It's like beyond. <laughs> I've lived in a lot of vehicles for a long time. <laughs> it's my happy place. Oh, that's great. Yeah. What's the best thing that came out of? Working together on this film, impacting your relationship and your family. I mean, we're very happy with the film, how it turned out. And that's been very positive for us. Just to know that, you know, the respect and trust we have for each other, you know, is is played out in what we were able to bring to this film. And I think it gives us a lot of confidence moving forward as well, because every time we've worked on something together, we've learned how much more we can trust each other on certain things. We also understand even more, you know, the strengths we bring. And so we have a shorthand on a lot of things that, you know, I think will help us move forward in our next projects. And we're very excited about that. I mean, I think it also one thing that has come from these experiences is this real value of the present and as that applies to everything you know be it the achievements of your work be it you know where like a moment like where we are as a family be it you know how fast time flies with children you know how fast they grow up so you know we've lived five very intense years with these two films and two kids but Somehow being able to do that together has been very valuable. Any advice to people who want to make art as a couple and stay married? (laughs) I think you have to do different parts. You've got to have different duties. Like Jimmy and I are are directing partners as well as producing partners, but we have different responsibilities within that. Yeah, we come from very different places. So that's, I think, helpful. Um, But there's, you know, it's, it's never easy uh, you know, having a family, juggling careers, um, being on the road a lot, you know, I mean, it's a constant negotiation. And also I think, I guess, I think one of the things we've also learned is that we, we used to try to apply certain things saying, okay, well, we have to live this one way because that's the way I've wanted to live, you know, and she wants to live this way. And that's how she's always wanted to live. It's like, you literally have to just take it day by day and not kind of put these, you know, this tremendous pressure on, you know, the future, what you imagine the future has to be. So 
it's it is again about what she's saying you have to just be present and take it one step at a time and trust that everything's going to work out because we've been through enough now where we're like oh okay well all this pressure we put on each other before like wasn't very useful in terms of how we had our imagined futures um we we're trying to put our imagined futures on each other but that you just go day by day and trust that it's going to work out and you constantly communicate. I can tell you both are really good communicators to each other. At least it sounds like it. I mean, I think the like the, one of the real challenges we end up talking about work more than other things when we really should be talking about other things. And it's just we're both. It's like super interesting and we're super engaged. Yeah, and, it's but, a whirlwind right yeah, now. Though, it's too. a whirlwind. I mean, there's so yeah. much happening, and you know, our, what we're hoping to do in the future. I do think that we both have similar ambitions and I think we both have a fairly good view on what we can bring to the table so we're excited and so it's not like there's certain things that we don't have to talk about because they're understood like we know where we want to go with our work and what we'd love to do and what's exciting to us and what works and so that's fun. Any other values as a couple that you really try to honor when working together? I think the respect thing is probably the biggest um, because I think that applies across the board beyond just partners and, you know, when you're working with somebody and, um, well, you want to find someone that you respect that you work with, so. I think we also really align that the work we do has to be meaningful, has to be meaningful for us probably has to have, you know, hopefully make the world a little bit better. And certainly it has to be executed with best practices, be it, you know, our employment policies, like how how we treat our crews, like it just, you know, the diversity that's within our crews, like it's just in order to do anything, like or in order to leave the house and leave our wonderful children, like it's just, it has to be meaningful. After talking to Jimmy and Chai so much about the film, the making of it, the impact of the process on their relationship, what they learned, I wanted to know what they do when they're not filming critically acclaimed documentaries. So tomorrow, when people are listening to this, will be Valentine's Day. And taking your date to Free Solo is a great idea because it's terrifying. You're going to want to grab onto your partner. I think the most important part is that you're going to want to grab onto your partner really, really <laughs> tight. Besides taking your partner to free soul, what's a great date that you guys like to do? We like to ski and we like to eat yummy things or go to the movies or go yeah. see a sh- or go to the theater. Like Actually, we like, like uh, staying home and watching a movie together is like pretty precious. But no, we go out because we go out so much for work and when we're in New York and to see our friends. I mean, we love, um, you know, our whole our social lives as well, but. Uh, I think when we go out to eat, we like to eat good food and we like to explore that. And it's not like fancy food. Like we like to go find like the new interesting hole in the wall Asian food or like eat Korean food or just like. There's dim sum down the street. That's supposed to be really good. How do you guys do Jackson Hole in New York? Um, As best we can. So do you live in New York and you live in Jackson or are you both just split time We've both places? We've just been all over the place. You're just you all know. over the place. Yes. Yeah. That's a great combination, the city and the mountains. You just need a little house now on the beach in Encinitas or Hawaii Well, I used to have a place. I had a place in Mexico on the beach. There you go. In Sayulita for 10 years. Wow. The trifecta, ocean, mountains, and the city. That is incredible. Um, but that's a still the trifecta. We, I sold the house because I felt like it'd be more fun for us to travel to different places. So we were just down in Costa Rica not that long ago. And we, we like to have some surf time, ocean time for sure. Making a feature film, the publicity that comes along with it, and now all the press and transporting from screenings to award show. I imagine it'd be easy to get a little overwhelmed, but Jimmy and Chai seem pretty cool, calm, and collected. I had a feeling that even though they were still in the middle of showing their last project with Alex, they were probably already thinking of their next big project. What what are you excited about? Right now you're in the middle of this moment in time where, you know, for most people this would be as peak as peak gets. 
you're this beautiful time. It's interesting, like, I, this is my sixth, like, documentary feature film. And most of all six of them, I have walked, I've been backing myself into being dreading it, being like, I don't know if I, because making a doc is like getting married to someone. And that's actually what happened to us. Um, And we had a real baby at the same time. But it's just, you know, when with Meru, I always used to say, like, it's church and state. This is not a great idea. Yes, that was one way we backed into it. Um, Free Solo, we were very worried about the risks. Our upcoming film is the first film, and we backed into it a little bit, like we were worried about the pressure, but that I think we're both really excited to dive into the world of um, Christine Tompkins and the late Doug Tompkins and Yvonne Chouinard. Great. And and, the, the national park that they've established in Patagonia and looking at just the their remarkable li- lives that they've lived and how they really live with intention. It's almost an extension of what the ideas that we're interested in Free Solo. And also they're so private, they've never really shared these stories. So, and, But it's a lot of pressure too. But it, I'm excited to think about those ideas and spend time with these amazing people. I love this concept of living with intention. I think that's exactly what you pulled off so well and what attracted me most to this film. Any advice to people who want to live more wildly or be more creative with their partner? I think that if you find the right partner, you are, doesn't have to necessarily work or professionally, but I mean, it should be someone that you love to go on adventures with and have fun with and explore the world with and have a good time with. This Valentine's Day or this week or whenever you're listening to this podcast, I hope you and someone special, whether it's your significant other, your best friend, a relative, maybe even yourself, I hope that you get out there and do something adventurous, preferably with ropes and helmet if you go out on a ledge. I also hope that like Jimmy and Chai, you honor each other's values, embrace each other's strength, and have a little fun when you're at it. Also, if you want to hold each other close tomorrow or have an excuse to grab onto someone tightly, well, go see Free Solo in a theater near you. And tune into the Academy Awards on February 24th to find out if Jimmy and Chai will take home the statue. Thanks again to Chai and Jimmy and to National Geographic for helping put this podcast together and to the really nice guy in Los Angeles who helped us record this. This podcast is produced and edited by Annie Fassler. It's co-produced by Chelsea Davis. It's supported by REI, a brand that helps us get out there and explore on more adventures. Wherever you are in the world, I hope you have a great Valentine's Day with your loved ones. I hope you're also giving yourself some extra love, attention, and care. Tune in the week after next for the story of a woman who's accomplished one of the most challenging marathon swims in the world. In the meantime, remember, some of the best adventures often happen when you follow your wildest ideas. Mm -hmm.